Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Well, happy Easter, everybody. Now, before we continue, let's just praise God for all of that incredible music, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and I have to say, you look real fla- fabulous today. I mean, you guys are looking really, really good, and it is incredible to have a full room today. I'm so grateful for all y'all being in this room and those of you participating online as well. Yeah, we can celebrate that. It's been a minute since we've been butt to butt, right? It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Well, I happen to absolutely adore hiking. And one of my favorite spots locally here is Charleston Falls. Anybody else? Yeah. And so I was there just about a month ago, you know, where everything was still that dull shade of brown but it was 70 degrees and the sun was warm and I was just like booking it. And before I knew it, I had been there for an hour and I was late for my next appointment. And so I had to like hustle back to my car. Well, when I was hustling back to my car, I noticed this group of people with a lot of kids. I couldn't determine if they were like family, friends, a school group, but they were like strung clear across the pathway and they were writing their names with sticks in the dirt. And I didn't really want to disturb them, but I was a woman on a mission, right? So I was just kind of weaving in and out of them, like giving them high fives, trying to be extra friendly and nice. When two of the little girls just kind of broke away and started running to keep up with me. Well, I noticed their like sheer delight. They had these like pink little boots on and these sparkly water bottles and they were just giggling like crazy when suddenly one girl said to the other, what are you afraid of? And that question hit me like a ton of bricks. What are you afraid of? What scares you? Well, I wanted to answer right out loud, but before I could, one little girl said to the other, spiders. Spiders are kind of scary. You are correct. (laughs) And then the other little girl piped back, I'm afraid of heights, as though she was just stating a simple fact. Now, I was enthralled by their conversation, and I really did want to butt in, but I didn't want to scare the bejeebus out of these two little girls. I mean, me, a grown adult, butting into their simple yet profound conversation. What are you afraid of? Friends, that's a question I want us to wrestle with today. In fact, today's message is really a series of three questions because I just assume you're kind of like me. This last year has been a a mixture of joy and pain, and it's all kind of muddled up together. And when we hear this Easter story, we love it, but yet we wonder how it connects to 2022. I mean, the women there at the tomb, the men huddled in the upper room full of questions and confusion. We feel that. And so we're going to create space for you to answer these simple questions. But let me tell you, you got to answer them for yourself. The person next to you can't answer them. No one in this room or participating in the World Wide Web can answer them for you. It's your job. So let's start with that first one. What are you afraid of? In fact, let's do a little survey. I want you to pull out your smartphones. Uh, Pull out your smartphones and go to ginghamsburg.church or the Ginghamsburg app if you happen to have that on your phone. And uh, pull up, if you're in the app, which I'm in the app, pull up the live chat. 
you go to that live chat feature and there's gonna be like a little survey. It's like three little like lines and you click on that survey, it's a poll and you've got five choices. And yes, you can only pick one of the five. You can't pick multiples, okay? And it's either heights, what are you afraid of? Heights, flying, enclosed spaces. My little sister's here on the front row. She looks like my twin, she's right there. And the other day, Julie sent me a TikTok of this guy like crawling into a rock. And Jules, when you sent that, I wanted to vomit. Like it was so terrifying. I was like, no way on earth. Anyhow, snakes, dogs, or needles, pick your top one. Oh, here we go. You guys are populating this. I can see it right here. All right. Snakes. Oh, enclosed spaces. See, I am like influencing the crowd. Do you see what I'm doing? I'm influencing you all. Yeah. Oh, snakes. It, it, it bumped up over enclosed spaces. Heights is still kind of up there. So this is what's interesting. Heights is at 21%. Flying, 3%. Y'all love to fly. Enclosed spaces, 26%. Snakes, 39%. Ain't nobody in this room loving snakes. Dogs, 2.7%. We love our dogs, amen. And then needles, 9.2%. That is really surprising because like in the service on Saturday night, like 40% of people hated needles. That was their biggest fear. It's absolutely amazing. So when I look at this list, I gotta be honest, my top fear isn't on here. And maybe your top fear isn't on this, this list either. So my top fear, what I really wanted to say to these two little girls is this, and I need a little drum roll. Can you give me, can you give me a little drum roll, please? As an adult, my number one fear is this, failure. Failure. I'm afraid to fail. And maybe just maybe that's true of many of you in this room as well. You don't want to fail. You want to succeed. Now, I didn't want to lay that on these seven-year-old girls, right? I wasn't going to tell them, like, when you grow up, forget spiders. Failure is really what it's all about. <laughs> They'd need that new creation counseling, right? That's what they would need. Brothers and sisters, we all have this, like, grab bag of fear that we carry around with us nearly at all times. That's the women who are coming to the tomb. Their fear is real and it's raw and it's no wonder. They've spent their, the last three years of their lives following this nomadic street preacher. Their hopes, their dreams, their purpose poured into this guy. And then Pontius Pilate, Herod Antipas and all the religious elitists, they decide that Jesus has to die. And so there is this person, this miracle worker, crucified as a common criminal. And when these women see it, they are overwhelmed with fear. Fear. Do you realize that fear has this like adverse effect on our bodies? It can cause a whole slew of health issues from cardiovascular disease to like messing with your gut, ulcers and IBS. If you focus on fear long enough, it can mess with your mind, damaging your hippocampus and causing you to live like your whole life with this low hum of anxiety. Fear, if focused on long enough, can lead to chronic fatigue, PTSD, clinical depression. Fear is like a poison in our bodies. And so imagine these women who have just experienced the trauma of Jesus's crucifixion. And they come to the tomb carrying their fear. And they expect to see an obstacle, 
That big old stone, but it's not there. The stone isn't there. Jesus' body isn't there. And I can imagine them thinking to themselves, are we crazy? Is this the fear and anxiety talking? Can this actually be? Maybe, just maybe, you came into this space, you participated online, and you're carrying your fear, and it's clouding your vision. And the Gospel of Luke tells us this. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them, and in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. In other words, they are scared out of their minds. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? And there it is. Our second question for the day. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Say that with me. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? You know, fear causes us to want to like just get rid of it. Quick fix, I don't want to be afraid anymore, so I'm going to grab onto something else. And sometimes we grab on to these dead end habits and hangups, and we think they're going to give us life, but they don't. Maybe some of these sound familiar to y'all. That Netflix subscription that you just keep using and using and using. That fourth glass of wine. Those sweet treats. I know we have donuts and cookies in the lobby. I get it. That relationship that just won't fulfill. That child that you just keep pouring your life into thinking, this is going to make me feel good. That job promotion that you are seeking year after year after year. But then when you get it, it's not exactly what you thought it was going to be. No matter what it is, you keep grasping for it because you think it's going to bring you happiness and yet all it leaves you feeling is empty. Why? Why do we look for the living among the dead? But these two men, sometimes in the Bible we call them angels. These two angels knew the difference between the living and the dead. And so there they are in the midst of the dirt and the rocks and that graveyard, and they're trying to point the women to something bigger than what they can see. Brothers and sisters, I want you to realize, I want you to notice something, that an empty tomb alone did not lead to an Easter faith. An empty tomb alone can never lead to an Easter faith. So what will? Now we live at a kind of interesting time I've had a lot of friends, colleagues, famous people that have kind of left Christianity in the church altogether. Sometimes they go kind of like seeking out a meaning through working with folk on the margins. Others are, are looking for inner peace. Still others like decide, you know what, I'm going to choose politics. That's where I'm going to have my passion and my purpose. It's interesting to me, when I watch this stuff happen, I began wondering like, Have we in the church given people the wrong impression? Like if you follow Jesus, your life's going to be good, comfortable, successful. Everything's going to be up and to the right. And when it isn't, people are like, deuces, I'm out of here. That's not real life. That's not actually living the Jesus life, particularly according to the Easter story. Back inside our story, the women They're still at the tomb and they're still confused. And the messengers say, Jesus is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinners and be crucified on the third day and be raised again. And it was then that the women remembered his words. Oh yeah, he said something about that. 
Now we believe in everything's butterflies, rainbows, and sweet parades, right? Nope. These women, they're still confused. I mean, don't get me wrong. They have this category for resurrection, but like everybody's gonna be resurrected when God's reign comes at the end, not like one person for all of mankind. So there they are standing at the tomb, thinking on their feet, trying to muster up as much faith as they can possibly muster, wondering what on earth is really happening. Luke goes on to say, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them that told this to the apostles. And then this, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed like what? Nonsense. Y'all are speaking gibberish. I do not know what you're saying. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying there by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now, I love that this is in the Bible. I love the way that Luke tells the story. You have the women at the tomb, and they're bewildered, and the men, they're not quite sure of things. And then Peter, he runs to the tomb, and he gets there, and he sees it all, and then he walks away and says, what on earth just happened? And a few verses later, there are a couple of dudes walking to this town called Emmaus and Jesus walks with them, but they don't recognize Jesus until Jesus sets around the table and suddenly they realize it's Jesus and they still say, what on earth just happened? Doubt and wrestling and skepticism is all baked in there. And so when we feel these things, when we're wrestling out loud with Jesus, of course we are because those first disciples did as well. And I happen to believe that if you don't have a like healthy dose of skepticism when it comes to faith in Jesus, I wonder if you have genuine faith at all. Because when you read the real story, the Easter story, you feel what they felt, you see what they saw, and you realize it isn't always as clear as we want it to be. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Sometimes we feel like we're standing at the empty tomb wondering what on earth just happened. So brothers and sisters, when I think about all my friends that have stepped away, I kind of feel like they're left there at that empty tomb. Because remember, it's not the empty tomb that's gonna lead to the Easter faith. What leads to the Easter faith is an encounter with the resurrected Christ. It's not until these disciples and these women actually experience Jesus resurrected that everything changes. They are transformed from the inside out. And so when I see what's happening as people are living, leaving Christianity, I think to myself, I, I don't, I'm not sure that I need that other stuff. Someone telling me who's right and wrong, kind of more navel gazing, I certainly don't need more divisive politics. Can I get an amen? What I need is an encounter with a resurrected Jesus. I need Jesus' love that won't let me go. It's a love that is unconditional. It's a love that sees my poor life choices and says, come on, Rachel, we can do better than this. It's a love that sees me in my mess and does not leave me there. Brothers and sisters, it's that same love for me, but it's the same love for you because God told us that Jesus Christ died for the entirety of the world. That's you and me and everybody else. And so that leads me to my final question. What are you gonna do with this Jesus? 
Because remember, I can't answer that for you. The person next to you can't answer that for you. No one on the interwebs can answer that for you. You got to wrestle with that question yourself. What will you do with this resurrected Christ? Will you actually receive that love? I want to introduce you to a friend of mine, a young dad named Derek Williams. I know Derek is in the room somewhere. I saw him earlier, I think. Derek, are you here? Oh, there you are. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so Derek had this, Derek, you had this holy encounter with God. God got a hold of you when you were in a place that felt like a dead end place and you had an encounter with Jesus and nothing has been the same ever since. This is his story. I took a COVID test and it was positive. Um, I felt okay that day, but progressively um, I began to feel weaker progressively over, over a period of days. It's at night, you know, I, I was kind of restless. I couldn't really sleep well. I experienced like these dreams um, that were like, it was like an absence of God. It was like, a, it was like all of my, you know, fears and all of my doubts were becoming like a reality. So I'm in the hospital and they're doing everything they can to help me, take care of me. And I began to accept the fact that I had, that my life was going to be over and that in a sense, I kind of wasted my life. Um, and from that point, you know, it was kind of, it was just me in the room. And then there came a point where, you know, I turned the TV off and then at that point I just felt like you know, God's spirit was, you know, began to talk to me and, you know, he kind of asked me, like, are you ready to talk to me now? And even though he had been speaking, you know, to me even before that, you know, I was ignoring him. But I was in a state where I had to be still, where I didn't have the distractions, I didn't have the excuse of taking care of family, or I didn't have the excuse of working. There was, the excuses were gone. It was just God in me. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. For me, it meant you know that not that not that I, not that I'm without sin, or not that I'm better than anyone, or even better than I used to be, but just simply allowing God to order my steps. And one of the things that I felt God's Spirit telling me was to, when I speak, listen. You know that was kind of part of the deal. You know, it's like I'm still here. You know, I'm not finished with you, but I need you to walk in obedience, whether that be share something with someone, or just doing just doing the next right thing having a sense of peace that, you know, my heart is pure and that I'm walking the direction that I'm supposed to be. That doesn't mean that you won't make a mistake. That doesn't mean that you won't be wrong, um, but you have the freedom to continue to walk and, and the mistake or the wrong doesn't define you. Uh, very powerful. What will you do with Jesus? Will you receive his love? Embrace the resurrected Christ? Will you walk away? Today, we're gonna to do something simple together. I just wanna invite you to open your hands. We're gonna say this prayer together. For some of you, it'll be the first time that you'll ever receive Christ's love for yourself. For others, you just need to reconnect with God. Whatever the case, we're gonna pray this prayer on the screen. We're gonna pray it together. Jesus, I want to love you, myself, and others. 
Forgive me for attempting to find life among the dead. Forgive me for holding on to my fears. I give you my life in exchange for your love. I want to follow you. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.